Hey fam, what's up? It's Raul here and uh, today's episode is a fitness-based episode which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, for this episode, I interviewed a, a new friend, a good friend of mine um, and a client. Her name is Nikki. Uh, she has been a competitor in physique. I believe that's the correct term. Uh, essentially for maybe the person who's just listening and doesn't know anything like this, it's like the female, like one of the female category versions of bodybuilding essentially kind of thing uh from my understanding uh when people do these sort of competitions uh these different categories uh for both male and female and um, i believe her category was physique uh as maybe you can imagine that people do things like bikini physique that i'm pretty sure there is like a bodybuilding division in the women's um category as well uh but yeah so she competed in that I, I really admire that i think it takes a lot of discipline a lot of skill and a lot of um dedication to to compete in those sort of things and transform your body the way that she has and you know we dive in into all things you know how to you know manipulate your diet mindset uh you know some of the things that maybe led her led to her like wanting to compete in these things she's a uh she works full-time and she's a mum of uh two kids um if you follow me on instagram one of her kids is actually the baby that i post photos of all the time at the gym uh she's adorable she's very cute makes me very clucky and want to have my own children soon um yeah so that's pretty much it uh i think this conversation is interesting hopefully you do too if you are enjoying the podcast because we're actually getting heaps of listeners which is good i'm pretty excited about that uh please go on itunes or spotify or soundcloud and give it um just comment good things about it, share it with people, just tell people about it. Um, you know, the more that this gets traction, the more that I will do episodes and I'll get really interesting people to come on here. So yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening to this and, um, yeah, I'll catch you on the flip side. Take care and peace. What made you want to do CrossFit? Or like, uh, what made you want to do like uh, functional training? To be honest, it was just time to try something different. It was, I had been in and out of generic gyms for years and years doing the same stuff. It was, you know, you'd be around the same people, which, you know, you, you form friends and family through the gyms, but it's just, it's time to do something different. When you're doing the same exercise, yes, you increase and get better but you just need something different you need a different style of training you know I got to a point where my training needs something different I needed to kind of I was getting bored with what I was doing and I hated going into a gym every day going what am I going to do now and then flick through Instagram or you know go back to just doing what I was doing and never improving on anything better so I kind of needed to shock myself try something different um, and I got to a point where I just wanted to be told what to do now I didn't want to make up my own programs anymore you know where you would do a set sit and break flick through the phone be completely unmotivated by it so you know we stumbled by this place um, not meaning to and it's changed my perception of training it's been a completely different eye-opener with how you know functional training is so much different to you know just a a typical gym exercise you know movements are different how technical an exercise can be and mastering that particular exercise and it's been an experience it's been an eye-opener and it's definitely been a challenge and something that 
you know, I love to be challenged. That's why I've trained how I have and pursued competitions and things like that because I always set out for a challenge and, you know, this is challenging and it's going to take time and obviously with you coaching me through the way and just making those minor adjustments that we do, you know, at least once a week we make a small adjustment but it's made a huge difference to my training, so... Yeah, that's cool. I, I appreciate that you um, that you notice little details to things. Um, I always wonder whether people whether people do or not. Um, as a coach, like I think a big part of coaching is just watching your athlete. You know, you might need to watch them for a month before you really. I've been doing this for too long to think that I just need to say something for the sake of saying something. <laughs> um, so sometimes, like, you know, you just need to observe someone for a long time, and all they need is like maybe like. I think of people as like they're on a trajectory and a good coach knows to not get in the way of that and you just push when they feel like they're coming off that trajectory, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, have, I have so many questions to ask you, so I feel like kind of overwhelmed with uh, where to start. Uh, so I've always been, I, like, I love fitness and I love the part of fitness that you come from. Um, as much as I love the part of fitness that I belong to, I have a huge... Uh, respect and um, admiration for when people compete in physique uh, or aesthetic-based competitions. Um, mostly because uh, so much, it's such a, I think it takes a different st- a different personality type um, than maybe like the average, uh, maybe competitive athlete in sports. And um, a, a big part of that, I think, is, you know, so much of what you probably did in the past is like discipline-based and not discipline. And I think a lot of people in fitness... And the reason why people join a gym when they want to lose weight is because they want to do something proactive as opposed to something inactive where a lot of the time, like you need to do the inactive thing to really see the results. Like you need to not eat food. You need to deprive yourself of certain things. You need to change lifestyle habits. A lot of the times it's, it's the undoing rather than the doing that makes the biggest difference. So, you know, uh, when did you first join a gym? Like what was that experience? Were you, how old were you? Oh, I, okay, so my gym exposure came really, really, really young. Um, my dad was a big gym goer. So my dad was a shift worker. And so when he would go to the gym in the morning, so this is going back in the 90s, he would take us along with him. So we'd go to his little gym at um, uh, Ingle Farm. And was that Fun Life or a different one? Fun Life, yeah. Oh, there you go. There. Yeah, it's yeah, still there, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would go in and the woman who took the class would let me join in the step Reebok class. Nice. So just for fun. And so that's kind of how I got my exposure to gym. Um, I played a lot of sport during my youth. So, um, you know, I played softball, I played netball. Netball's not my thing, but um, I was really high up with softball. So I was um, in the Australian squad, um, you know, state squads, things like that. So I trained a lot. So I would do... Most nights I'd be training for softball, netball or dancing. I was always doing some sort of physical activity, but it got to a point where, um, you know, I was getting injured. Um, rehab became a huge part of my life. And um, I tore my ACL, so I had to build all my strength back. And so I joined a gym. I joined Good Life at, um, at Dernan Court, seat to personal trainer, just to kind of, I'd been in and out of gyms, but I just... What year is this? This was probably 20, 2013, I think. Who was your PT at Good Life? They're probably not listening to this. I hope not. <laughs> uh, his name was Tim. He's Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to know if I knew. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, 
I just started training and then, you know, I had a few girls coming through the gym that just had physiques that I admired and, um, you know, I was slowly introduced to uh, fitness competitions and I kind of just went one day, you know, I want to work towards that. I want to strive towards that. I want to push my body to and my training to the next level. I want to get on stage one day. And so I trained for ages. Um, and then my first uh, fitness competition was in 2015. And I did a lot better than I expected. I literally remember getting to um, Norwood Town Hall. They had run the show early but didn't tell anybody. And I got there and they're like, Nikki, you were on now. And so I had to throw my bikini on, didn't get to pump up, nothing. And um, ended up by, that's how I got into stage the first time. But just, it was always gym-based. I kind of moved around to different gyms just to expose myself to different environments and I would watch how people would train and um, aesthetically, you know, you always have goals. You want to build your legs and build your glutes and, um, yeah, so that's kind of okay, the first so gym. I have, I have so many questions here, so I'll stop you there. Yep. Um, to pe- when people, I guess, people who are in, in your world, mm-hmm. like, it's probably really normal to you, but when people aren't part of that world, it's a really vulnerable thing to go on stage and just be judged. Yeah. Like on your appearance. 100%. So how did you navigate through the emotions of that? I don't think you can prepare yourself until you actually step on stage to what you're going, what you're in for. So my thing is you need to be emotionally in the right place. Like you need to be in the right headspace to do that. Um, for me, as arrogant as I sound right now, I've always been a pretty confident person. So I didn't really have an issue with... Um, finding confidence on the stage is kind of like, you know, like you do with your dancing, you're performing and it's practicing that performance day in and day out. And no matter how confident or scared you are just before you step on that stage, it is digging deep. It is remembering what it was you were there to do and just being confident and having fun. I don't, you said that, um, what did you say? That you might be sounding, did you say arrogant? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's really important to, and I say this because uh, I think we live in a world where maybe sometimes we we might think that uh, having an ego, having self-belief in yourself is maybe like a bad thing. And I guess I started this podcast kind of purely just because I want to interview people that I think are interesting and, and you fall amongst that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I want to I send a message where I feel like a lot of people, like that's really important. Like, it's like that's one of the main pillars of success. Like anyone who's successful just thinks they can be it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you think you can be it, so then you are it. And I think um, I think it's really important to just like uh, just to, to just um, I just want to point out to maybe the listener that I think that arrogance or that thing that maybe sometimes people feel maybe coming from maybe it might have a bad connotation. I don't think that's I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's oh, absolutely. And like I never said that I was being arrogant. It might sound arrogant to people. But no, but I, I think it's... Yeah, I think but it's, I am, yeah. I'm confident and yeah, I'm no. comfortable. And for those people who are, you know, don't shy away from being confident and don't shy away from being knowing who you are, even if it does sound arrogant, that's... Yeah, it's... What, do you, what do you think built that, um, that self-confidence in yourself? I just think a lot of life experience, to be honest. You know, like everybody, I've been through a lot of hardships and um, a lot of great opportunities and you know a lot of really low moments and just overcoming those personally and 
knowing who I was at the end of that, knowing that I didn't have to navigate away from who I was to achieve something. I think that's what helped me build my confidence. I love that. So you do the first competition, you get feedback from it, then you're on to the next one. Um, what was that process like? Yeah, so my first competition I did uh, INBA in 2015 where I placed first um, in novice, second in opens and took out overall. So obviously getting a win gives you that taste and you, and you strive for more. So then for me, I knew what my body was capable of. I knew what I loved, the training, I loved the discipline, I loved all the, the grinding, the nitty gritty bits about it. So um, I took on my next competition. I did IFBB in 2016. Um, again, just to try something different. You know, I stepped onto the big stage with big names like Asha Coulthard and uh, Phoebe Groth and Amisha Marshall, you know, big names, big, you know, big competitors. And it was just, it was humble, humbling to me to be able to step on stage knowing that I've seen them compete in the past. You know, when your um, when your idols become your rivals, your rivals, you know, you know, you've made it. And um, so I got into top three with Amateur and with Asher, and it was just knowing that I was good enough to be placing in the top three. And again, it was just taking my training to the next level, taking my nutrition to the next level, and. Um, at the end of the day, the competition is just, it's the outcome. It's the fun part of it. It's, you're striving for that day, but you're on stage for 15 minutes, depleted. It's just, it's the full stop to a long journey. And it's, it's at the end of the day, it's the reward. It's not, you know, disliking what you're doing just to get on stage it is well that's that's what I vote towards that's the final outcome and it's it is really rewarding so I was really happy with that um and so yeah and then I took took training for a bit of a break for a while so yeah it's uh, how this this happens to a lot of people when they compete I think in anything you know they become defined by the thing they compete and then when mm -hmm. they take a break maybe they lose themselves a little bit how, how did you find yourself after that it consumes my life, to be honest. Um, I, it's it is a sport not from you know the faint-hearted. It takes hours and so much discipline. You know, so you're if you're not training, you're thinking about food <laughs> as it is everything that you want to eat. So, you know, you're it's like a job. You're going to work. You go to the gym. You know what you have to do. You know what macros you have to hit. You know how disciplined your training is. So it restricts you from life. So it takes you away from your friends, your family, social gatherings. You know, if your friends aren't understanding, if, you know, you go out for dinner and they go, oh, just have, have a bowl of ice cream, it's fine. Well, it's not fine because it doesn't fit into. So, I mean, a lot of flex, I wasn't a flexible dieter. Um, I didn't trust myself when it comes to flexible dieting. Some people it works amazing for. For me, it just wasn't for me. So what, what sort of dieting did you, did you follow specifically? Um, to start with, I firstly, I'll always say get a coach who understands you, who will work with you and who will adjust anything to your personal goals, to your training, to your lifestyle, etc. Um, so I always ate pretty clean. My first 
couple of competitions, I would have, you know, cheat meals on the weekends. So, and it was just you know, a box of Krispy Kremes or, you know, box of KFC family dinner or something like that. But, um, you know, like everything, as when you start to get closer to your competition date, everything starts to get less. So you're having less calories and you're really feeling it. So you're more tired. So you're onto, you know, your white fishes and, um, you know, my thing is once all the sauces got taken away, that just changed my perception on food because that was like my staple. Um, but my last competition that I did, I had an amazing coach um, through Norm Lowe and he really tapered his nutritional plan to my lifestyle. You know, I had two, you know, I had a young child at, at the time and very time poor, working full time. So he made sure that my, my meals were high volume. So I ate so many vegetables, you know, sometimes my um, diet had like a homemade burger and a homemade pizza. So he kind of made me feel like I could still have those cheat meals, but they were still fitting my macros at the same time. So he really worked with me for that. You know, some people have this, it's like anything, energy input, energy output. Um, you know, I trained twice a day when I did my last show. Um, and I, I loved it. I was in such good headspace. Um, I didn't train because I felt like that's what I had to do. I did it because I wanted to train twice a day. So I'd get up in the morning, go and train, and then I'd train straight from work, and then I could be a mum for the rest of the day. But, you know... What did your training look like? Like, were you doing cardio in one session and you're uh, lifting in the other, or...? So mainly Monday to Friday, my sessions, I did mainly F45 with my last competition just because I was in and out 45 minutes, um didn't have to do my own planning it was there for me so i'd work pretty hard so it so was did you treat that as your cardio i treated that as my cardio yep. um we had you know a bit of weights but anyone who's done f45 knows that you know you're not really getting your, your weight training in so i left my big days until saturday and sunday so um saturdays after work i would go and train legs and then sundays were posterior chain days so they were my big um big heavy weight training days and i loved it I, you know kind of mixed it up for me as if um what's the training split look like for a physique competitor again it comes down to the individual what did your training split look like my training split oh, it's gone back a couple of years now so it's a bit of a tough one to remember um like so you said legs one day posterior chain a different day yeah and then um because it was i was mainly doing f45 and it was functional training it was I wasn't splitting like my upper to my lower, my doing my push and pulls. I was doing the workouts of there. So, you know, you'd do your athletic or whatever that day was. So it would be high cardio. Um, but yeah, so Monday to Friday was just whatever that program was on that day. I didn't really specifically train to build um, during my competitions because I had done all my building beforehand. Okay. So but what about beforehand? What did the training split look like then? No, no, no idea. I don't remember, to be honest. Um, I kind of just did whatever the coach told me to do on that yeah. day. So, okay. yeah. 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 Uh, you do enjoy following a plan, don't you? I do. Yeah. I do. I'm one of these trainer, uh, trainees that loves to be told what to do. Yeah. I'm very good at being told what to do. And, you know, if, if I had to do it that day and that's what coach wanted, that's what I would do. I never complained. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I just know how I feel. And if there's a reason why I'm doing it, there's obviously a reason why I'm doing it. So, but... Well, yeah. What was an area in your body that you found was hard to bring up? Definitely my legs. 
my legs are always the hardest to to bring in. Um, I have tried a lot, um, but I think that's where it's come down to doing this sort of training that my legs are now building up because it's using different muscles. Like, you know, I'm used to, you and I have these discussions all the time about how differently I'm used to training to what you're showing me is that I'm used to, you know, doing things slowly and, you know, doing the squeeze and things like that. So I find that my legs are responding to this kind of training a lot more than what it would be doing a leg press or... Do you want to know a fun fact? Because I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not sure this is common knowledge. And I'm not sure if, it's, if this has been backed yet by studies or not. Yeah. It's just an observation I've made as a coach. Uh, women get really strong doing functional fitness. Men don't, men don't so much. Um, and it's interesting to see that. Uh, but women just respond really well to high rep training. Yep. Um, generally, from what I've seen, women have a higher pain threshold than men do. So because we have babies <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> exactly uh but yeah from what i've just seen um and you know there's there's lots of things that i could point to but you know generally if there was something as simple as like a workout where everyone has to do 50 squats in a row um if you were to ask everyone in a class where they're paid threshold as even if maybe a male can do all the 50 reps uh and maybe they're doing it faster or maybe it looks easier than maybe to a female like they're probably hurting more than maybe the female might um, and then maybe the next set, the female might take over because I've just seen that that pain threshold is comes in a lot later, and um, they just I just seen they respond better. So I've seen uh, maybe females kind of naturally do lots of like hypertrophy type sets in functional fitness workouts, whereas males maybe uh, I've seen p- break things up whether they realize they're doing it or not, um, so they're not getting quite the same stimulus response. Okay, yeah. It definitely makes sense because I could do stuff here that that hurts more. Like, you know, when we've been doing um, high rep squats, I reckon I could get about 20 out before my legs are burning. But, if, you know, go on a leg press, I could get 20 out and get off and walk off. Yeah. So, it's yeah, it's um, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Um, do, you, how, do you miss doing machine training? Were you somebody that enjoyed machine training or do you quite enjoy doing free weights? Absolutely. No, I do miss... I do miss it. It's just completely different in the sense that, you know, you can take your time with it and slow down your reps. Um, you know, as starting from a generic, you know, gym, it's the kind of training that I loved. But just to spice it up, you need something. You always need something different just to step into either a new environment or, um, you know, there's times that I have gone to a normal gym outside of here and tried to do a different exercise but felt like it hasn't been working because I'm used to doing a free weight here but it's the environment and it's it I don't know it, it does it feels different you feel like you've got super powers when you come and do free weights rather than going to a machine because you are relying on that resistance from the machine to get you up or you know to help you get that weight out you've mentioned how important the environment is a few times and i think that's a huge key and i think sometimes people fall into a good training environment or life environment by uh, maybe just coincidence but that is a huge thing to training like getting yourself in like a i always tell people it's easy if you go to a place where there's lots of people training because just go there there's energy and you'll feed off other people's energy. But I think what I really admire when people do sort of like uh, bodybuilding or physique competition is so much of the training is solo. Mm -hmm. So how did you motivate yourself like on the days that you didn't want to train? Just knowing what had to be done. You know, I, I set myself a goal. So every single competition that I did, I always set myself a goal to accomplish to be in the top three. 
or I would be motivated by seeing, you know, obviously a lot of the gyms that I went to, there were other competitors by that would be training at the same time. So I was motivated by them. Um, again, you do, like you said, you feed off other people's energy. Like when you do go to a gym and you see people who are training hard and they're having fun, you know, you feed off of that energy. Um, by all means, there's days where I absolutely walked in and felt like shit and I was pissed off and I didn't want, you know, didn't want to do that training session. But once you start getting into it and releasing those endorphins, like, oh, I've done it. And every bodybuilder will be lying to themselves if they said that every day that they trained, it was amazing. Because there's days where you just don't want to do it and you just have to get up and get it done. So every day is different. There's days you're not feeling it. There's, you, gosh, you asked my coach at the time, the amount of times that he got text messages from me, he's, um, I'm out, I'm done. I can't be stuck doing this anymore. Um, but then he did the workout and you felt better afterwards. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What's it like training? You, have you always trained with your sister or is that something more recent? Uh, from when I, so she introduced me to F45. Um, so that's when I started training with her. Um, as you see with me and her, we're very competitive people. <laughs> so we push each other as much as we can. Um, so it's probably been the last oh, four years, three years that we've started training together. Um, we're the type of people that will push each other, um, have that little bit of friendly competition. It does help having her around, but I am so used to training on my own. So I kind of keep my tunnel vision as well. So she knows that when I come here to train, it's tunnel vision. Don't talk to me. Like I'm focused. I'm here to get it done and then talk to me after. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's different because she's, you know, she loves to chat. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> you, you both seem pretty tunnel vision though when it's time to work out. Absolutely. And she's, you know, one of my biggest supporters, you know, a lot of the times I wouldn't have gotten through a lot of shows without her, like pushing me. She's been my backstage help. She's been sort of like my manager, but she, um, she's very supportive and she kind of pushes me when I don't want to, you know, go that little bit heavier. She will tell me that, you know, she knows that I can do it. So she'll make me do it. Are you somebody who responds well to positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement? I, I respond well to both. I would say I'm the type of person that I need someone to yell at me, that I respond better to someone knowing that I can do better. Someone who will push me that little bit more, someone who will, um, if they see me slacking off, that was, you know, tell me to pull my finger out. So none of that stuff I find offensive. I find it motivating, um, inspiring in the sense that, and, you know, in humbling that people know that I can do better. So people, how we were talking about environments before, you know, it's the same thing. You go to a gym and you get to know people through the gym and then you find your training partners, you find your coaches, you go with your friends, go with people who are at the same stamina is like who know your stamina who know that you can do more who will help you push and um and get through that workout just when you feel like giving up you just need that little bit of a kick up the ass and um whether it's through positive or negative reinforcements if someone's yelling at me to get it done i'll get it done has and your, then i'll cry ha afterwards <laughs> has your why for training changed over the years and if so what is it has my what for has your why like like why are you train um, I train more for me now. Um, I think what does my, that mean? so as you know, I'm a mum of two and I don't get a lot of free time to myself. So when I do come here and get my workout done, I feel better mentally. I feel better physically. I feel like I'm 
happy to go home to my children, be a better mother, be a better wife to my husband. Um, you know, I'm just happier in general. So for me, it's more an outlet. I don't have any aspirations to step on stage anytime soon. I'd love to do another show, but for right now, I'm training because I love it. And I love the style of training that I'm doing at the moment. It's different. It's fun. It's exciting. And this is all new to me. So I just love you know, I've never done a handstand push-up. You know, we did handstand push-ups two times and we're doing them, which I never thought would be something that I could do in my life. Um, you know, working to muscle-ups, you know, it's just stuff that you don't get taught. It's not a self-teaching skill. And a lot of the exercises that we do here are skill-based. It's technical. It is hard. It's not, you know, you've got some people who make it look so easy where you can go to a normal gym and drop your weights right back and make it easier for you. But that's not really pushing you. So coming to do something like this is pushing you out of your comfort zone. And that's what I'm really enjoying at the moment is just being out of my comfort zone. Um, I feel stronger. I feel happy. I feel confident. Um, and I, it has inspired me to want to strive for another competition later on and do a different style of training and take that into another show so that's the goal at the moment that's really cool we're going to take a small break and then we're going to come back and continue talking to nikki thank you for being halfway through listening with the uh, to the podcast with nikki uh I, like i've said i really enjoyed this hope you're enjoying it too i just wanted to make a quick little uh you know, reminder that if you are listening to this, please go on iTunes or SoundCloud or anywhere that, you know, you are listening to this Spotify and just give it a good like five star review. If you can, it really helps the show. Um, it helps me out and just tell people about it. That's all I'm asking for now. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening guys. Take care and peace. Con- continue, continue listening. Cause it's not finished. Part two is coming now. And we are back. We have changed microphones and um, hopefully you can hear Nikki clearer on this second part of this episode. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, how do I ask this question? So basically what I want to ask is uh, when you're competing in um, something like physique or bodybuilding, uh, I think there's lots of assumptions from people about uh, people are really quick to be like, um, those people just look that way because... They, they take drugs or whatever, yep. right? Uh, often referring to performance enhancing drugs or steroids or, or whatever. Um, maybe to educate the public, like what people take maybe f- as a female is probably really different than what they take as a male and all that sort of stuff. Um, when you are competing and you maybe realize that other people might be taking things mm-hmm. to achieve a certain look, uh, is that frustrating? Is that something that you put as something that's outside of your control? How do you view all of that? It is something that's out of my control. Um, to be honest, it's the individual's choice. If you're going to enter an unregulated competition, then and that's the path that you choose to go down to get yourself looking the way that you want to do it, um, that's on that individual. By all means, I do not judge anybody who wants to take a little of performance enhancing just to get their physique for me i find that people who try to do it on the sly for a natural competition i find that very disrespectful um you know it's and, I, and i'm referring more to like that because if you're yeah. it's fair game if you're doing yeah. it in a in a, in a um Absolutely. in a sport where it's you know it's it's a, it, 
it's accepted. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're just lying, to be honest. And I find it disrespectful to other athletes. And the thing is, natural competitions do get drug tested. It has done in the past. You know, there was um, a girl who took out a fitness uh, title and she was she got done by Asada, um, which I wasn't in that competition, but I knew a few girls who were. And it was extremely frustrating for them because it took the moments away from them you know they had actually won those titles by default but it took their experience away from them so I just figure if you're going to step into a natural competition don't do it um and it's it's out there there's so many competitions where girls are doing what they're doing and that's each their own I'm not going to judge them I stay natural and I will stay natural but yeah it's frustrating but it's there. You, you can't avoid it. You can just do your best. I think that's a good attitude to have. Um, what's it like for your body to go through such a big depletion and then have to rebuild yourself back up? It's... And what, what was those processes like for you? Like Being completely... So getting towards the nitty-gritty parts, you know, going through peak week where you are depleted, um, you know, your calories are low, your water loading... Um, you know, you're tired. It takes a lot out of you because your body is just running on minimal calories. Um, with my last competition, to be honest, I'm one of these freaks that I love peak week. I find it exciting. It's extra. I find some different energy somewhere. But being, it's, when you are depleted, it is hard. You do get tired a lot easier. When people, when you say peak week, maybe to the listeners, what does that mean? So peak week is the week before competition where you are really doing the hardest part of the competition. So your calories are really low. How low for, how many less calories would you be eating in peak week than when you started? Again, it depends on the individual. You know, some people are eating down to like 13, 1400 calories a day. Um, You know, if you've got a good coach who can work with you, I think I was on like 1800 calories, um, which was sustainable for me. I was still dropping weight almost on the daily. Um, then you're water loading. So when you come to com- uh, competition and you have gotten rid of all of the water out of your body so you are dry, um, it's hard. It's hard because obviously if there's not a toilet by <laughs> and you're drinking so much water, it's really, really difficult. And especially if you've had kids, it's um, that's what I found the most difficult. But like anything, it's just it's part of the process. And I loved it. Other girls absolutely hate it. You know, you just feel sunken and tired and you, you don't have the energy just to even get yourself off the couch. But um, it's only for that week. And then once you start, in, you know, on show day where you, you get all the goodies so you can eat your Reese's Pieces or your um, rice cakes and jam or anything like that. And then have your massive cheat meal at the end of the day as like that's the prize you know you can get a trophy but the cheat meal is the prize yeah what was your cheat meal oh god i always went for a filthy burger i have to admit yeah definitely keen on a, on a good juicy burger um but it's really important that at the end of your competition is that you don't continuously eat junk that it's um what's called reverse dieting so it's really important to slowly build your calories back up so you don't have, you know, those blowouts or what's what a lot of people call uh, post-comp blues where, you know, you've looked so lean for so long um, 
and aesthetically, what people look like on stage is unattainable. It's unsustainable and it's unattainable. So, you know, you're not eating anything or, you know, you've had no water. You're dry, you're hungry, but you're feeling great. But it's really important, especially for females, to slowly build those calories up because we've got hormones to consider. And it really does affect your hormones when you're in such a calorie deficit for such a long time. Um, you know, so reintroducing fat slowly rather than just throwing everything straight back into the mix. It can be quite damaging to a lot of girls and their hormones and, um, again, how they see themselves because they've worked so hard, you know, for four, five, six months to get where they are. Um, it can be all done very, very quickly. Yeah, of course. And I think that's, I think it's just maybe some good advice for people in general who are going through any sort of weight loss. I think a huge this is probably what I think 99.9 people of uh, the population can probably relate to. You stop eating food to some extent, you yep. lose some weight and then your will ends because you want food again. Yeah. And then you eat more food than you had originally actually stopped yourself from eating yep. and then you blood and then you gain weight and then becomes this thing known as yo-yo dieting. Yes. Uh, so yeah, having that discipline of like, you know, decreasing calories slowly and re reintroducing them, uh, backup is, you know, that, that might seem like really common knowledge to you, but I think that's something that I think the general p person doesn't know. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone who's going through any weight loss is it takes time. Anyone who is looking for a quick fix isn't going to keep it off. So, okay, for example here, right? Because uh, let's say like uh, whether it's females or males listening, when you were losing weight for a competition, like how much weight did you lose per week? 200 grams. Yep. So it just, is, it's just a slow, it is a steady slow run. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and then sometimes would be, and this is where the scales can be your biggest enemy because you don't realize, especially with females, that you've got a lot to take into consideration, i.e. hormones. Um, you know, you could have gone to bed a little bit later. You could have had a, a drink a little bit later. You could have... Um, done a heavy day of lifting. So when you jump on the scales the next day, your weight's gone up. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not losing fat. So it's that's where it's good just to, you know, over maybe a week's time or, you know, to check in the same time every day so you have that comparison. But when you are losing weight, um, even if it's not for a bodybuilding competition, you're going to go, you're riding a wave. You're going up and down, but it doesn't mean that it's not working. Um you know, so I could be losing 200 grams a week and I kind of go, oh, you know, expected a, a better drop from that. But you're also training, so you're also gaining a little bit of muscle as well. Um, and other weeks I could have, you know, an 800 gram drop, but then put on 300 grams because, you know, as a girl, mother nature happens and, you know, it's just... I love how politically... I love how <laughs> politically correct you're doing it. <laughs> it's... Again, it's trusting the process. And I know it's cliche that's, as it sounds, you know, anyone who goes through any weight loss program, any gym program, whoever is new or old to the fitness industry, as cliche as it sounds, trust the process. You just have to. It, it will work. If you've got yourself a good coach and if they are interested, because unfortunately there are, as you would know, people out there who are just, you know, good for a quick money grab. But people who care about your diet will get you there. So it is trusting the process. 
What do you think of when people do challenges where, you know, they get given uh, things like, you know, eat 1,100 calories for the next... It's absurd. It's absurd. You know, my three-year-old doesn't Because I wish, I wish that people could rewind back to when you said you were eating 1,800 calories on your peak week. Yeah. When you had decreased it to the most amount. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, those calories are absurd. And for someone who gets put on those calories straight away. What? Okay. When someone, cause this is a conversation cause, and it, yeah. and it means different coming from a female than it does coming from me. When the amount of people, when they get told, this is how many calories you have to eat to lose weight. And really often like the conversation with a lot of females will go, Oh, that's way more than I think I can, I can eat. And it might be like 1600 calories. Like what goes through your head? Oh, uh. Don't be nice, like to say. I just don't think people are educated enough on food, to be honest. In in what sense? In the sense that you know, obviously, knowing how many calories can be into something to be a sustainable meal, or whether they're going to take into consideration volumes, or you know, I just I think for someone who's going to be put on that low of calories straight up, is not I don't know. It's going to be something that's slowly chipped chipped away I just don't think that someone who's giving someone those calories are educated or someone who's willing to accept that that's what they're giving they go well I couldn't possibly eat all of that it's again it comes down to education ask the question if your coach is giving you that kind of diet plan and you have questions ask the question yeah yeah 100% yeah um I just I think especially with females um you know, it's such a, uh, I think, emotion-filled topic. Um, and it can be, yeah, it can be really challenging because a lot of people, um, you know, maybe push back on on fo- following certain guidelines. And often often all it is is like it's asking somebody maybe more calories than they maybe currently are eating. We're just asking you to eat them in a healthier way and yeah. be more conscious or maybe uh, really think about better about how you're weighing your food or all that sort of stuff. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, a lot of times people push back against that because they – have tried to do something f- uh, for a long time and it just hasn't worked and, you know, they're really scared of, oh, what if I eat too much and then I end up even being, you know, bigger or putting on more extra body weight. So I understand from where it's coming from. But yeah, no, I think it's just a really important message, just yeah. having a female, um, just throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. And just to ask the question is my biggest advice. Don't be afraid of food. Is, and it is another thing, you know, women are, and a, a lot of men, this is the thing people think that obviously women are the ones who are so self-conscious, but it is for men too. Don't be afraid of food. You know, food is what fuels the body. It's eating the right amount of foods. It is, you know, you can eat high volumes of vegetables, and but understanding the nutrients that come from that and the calories that come from that and why you're eating those. So, yeah, just ask. How old do you think, how old are you now, Nikki? You're, how young are you? <laughs> I have to say, uh, 33, I'll be 34 in a couple of months. 33 33 years young. Uh, What were you like when you were 18? I was a rat bag, for sure. Um, What does that mean? So, I didn't care about... So, what a lot of people refer to, and I don't know if your listeners have heard this reference, is what's called skinny fat. So, I was, you know, flash dance Wednesdays out town every Friday, Saturday, Sunday sessions, you know, just drank copious amounts of alcohol, you know, Hungry Jacks and KFC was, 
I didn't care about my diet because I had a metabolism back then. So nothing was really um, facing me too much. So I love to go out and have a good time and catch up with friends and do all of that. So yeah, I was, I was a bit of a rat bag. Didn't really care too much about what was going in. So well, when, when did the shift happen? I was about 20, 26. So I was a bit of a late bloomer in kind of going, well, hang on. Um, I'd stopped playing sports and um, wasn't really doing much with my time. Um, my husband was back in the US playing professional baseball. So I had a lot of time on my hands. You know, I wasn't just hanging out with him anymore. And um, I needed something to motivate me. And my sister and I signed up to a gym um, and took it from there. And then when I got serious about it, that's when I, you know, I realized that I didn't quite know what it was that I was doing. And that's when I seek help from a personal trainer. So, and it, it was a great start, you know, I could walk to a machine and learn what it did and how to, you know, how I could improve on it, etc. Um, so that's, yeah, I reckon about 26 is when I really got interested because bodybuilding wasn't a, a huge thing. Like it was, it was out there, but definitely social media had blown it up to what it is today. I know. Okay. Let's talk about that. Uh, the fitness industry has changed so much from, mm -hmm. from what it was like, we were having this discussion the other day here at the gym with uh, maybe some younger people and asking them what they wanted to do when they were finishing school. And uh, somebody said, oh, you know, you might not even know the job that you want to do when you, by the time you actually finish where you're ready to work, mm -hmm. like the job that you want might not even exist yet, you know? Yeah. And I remember that, like being a PT wasn't a thing when I was in school. Yeah. Even when I became a PT, it was still like such a niche thing. And even like the first first probably five years of having the gym, it was like, there was probably like five gyms in the Northeast mm -hmm. and we were not one of them. And you know, now there's, it's like, it's, it's so crazy what's happened. What's, what do you think about the evolution of fitness? Do you think it's been good? Do you think it's been bad? Like everything, I reckon it's got its ups and downs. Um, social media playing a huge part in that. I mean, it's great that there's variety. So there isn't just a generic gym where, you know, Again, no one knew what they were doing, so then they'll cancel their membership. So now there's a variety. So you can go and do your classes. You can go and do your functional. You can go and do your CrossFit. You can go and, um, yeah, there's, I, I really appreciate that it's evolved in the fact that it gives somebody variety so they can figure out what kind of training best suits them. Um, the thing about gyms going and, um, you know, going into bodybuilding competitions is, one girl sees one girl on social media and goes, oh, I'd love to do that. And then before you know it, just because you've set foot into a gym, you're going to be a bikini competitor. And it just puts so much pressure on people to, if they do go into a gym, they do need to look like they're a fitness model. They can't just go there for the fact that they love working out. Um, and I, and even guys, you know, there's men that go to a gym that have been training for years and years and years. And then you've got this new guy who's walked into the gym who's intimidated by that. And again, they see what they see on social media and then they compare and they feel like socially that's what they need to to um, to look like. And there's one thing that I had on my Instagram and I asked the question was, who were you before the world told you who you should be? And that, again, comes down to social media. Girls are t becoming motivated but afraid 
to just go to a gym. They feel like they need to be a bikini competitor or, um, you know, feel intimidation because there are so many bikini and fitness competitors in these gyms now. So it's, it's one or two ways of the scale. It can be absolutely inspiring and motivating or it can be as intimidating as hell. So that's where if you are a new person walking into a gym, find what works for you. If you're uncomfortable in a gym, go to a class. Surround yourself with people who are going to uplift you rather than intimidate you. Um, but that, yeah, it's just going to keep on evolving. But I think we've got so much variety now and it can be scary. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, um, you know, I think the most common thing that I've heard over the years is people thinking they have to get fit before they join the gym. Yeah. Which it's like hiring a cleaner, but you clean your house because you don't want the cleaner to judge you, exactly. you know? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the irony in that is is really funny, um, but yeah, like I mean, that, I think it's so important to just hone in on that message to just uh, help people help have people understand that, especially when you see people who are you know know what they're doing or look a certain way at the gym. You don't ever know how long that person's you exactly. know done that for, or yeah. you let's say that's the first time they've ever stepped into a gym. You don't know what their background is like training wise. Like maybe they have been an athlete all their life, or maybe you know they're involved in sport or or whatever it is. Um, so not everyone's starting on the same. Uh, not everyone's starting that race from the same starting line. Yeah, absolutely. When you were competing, or just in general, um, what is your take on supplements and what were some things that you did take that helped and things that you took that you did you found didn't help? Um, I wasn't a big person with supplements. Obviously, I, the typical protein, just so I could hit my protein intake and um, you know help with my muscle recovery. Um, I took acetyl-L-carnitine. Um, what is that for the person who doesn't know? Acetyl-L-carnitine. Um, I always used it in my pre-workout. So it really, um, so I would take a, a non-stim, um, not like a non-stimulant version, a non-stimulant pre-workout. Um, yeah, sorry. I've just absolutely drawn a blank. That's okay. Uh, so yeah, LC, LC carnitine. Yep. I'll just like, it's all right. I'll just make sure to make a note to like go over this part. Yeah, send the yeah. message you got to send. Do you have time? Have we gone over? Have I gone over? No, time with? Oh, no, no, okay. no, no, we're good. Um, I took it because my coach told me to. <laughs> I'm hoping that you can edit that out. Um, so we'll go yeah, back so from what LC, LC carnitine is. Yep. I know, I'm just even trying to find it. Yeah, so just a, a non-stim pre-workout, just to kind of help, like, get blood flowing. Um, did you feel more vascular after taking it? I did. I did. Um, a, more so, I mean, just the pre-workout, I just found, kind of just gave me a little bit of a kick in the morning. So, obviously, I used it more for its caffeine-based um perks for it so it just kind of gave me that little bit of yeah, an extra yeah. push um but that was basically all i used i didn't really take many like i didn't take bcas or anything like that um what's your take on fat burners uh again it was just the caffeine base i mean it, do you think they work i never saw a result i mean i won't lie i did definitely take them in the beginning um I think it was more as a routine that I took it, but I ever, never saw a difference you, with taking it to not taking it. Did you ever take them back in the day when they actually did work? 
I did take one and it's now banned. Of course. Um, I this s- is the frustrating thing. All the things that actually worked once upon a time I don't. get banned. <laughs> and now they try and pretend like, oh, here's the new and improved formula. I, d- I can't remember the name of it, but my husband had it and I tried it. I went to the gym, I had it, and I remember sweating so much that I sweated through my work uniform. I had to go home and have a shower and get dressed again and go back to work because I just could not stop what sweating. Was it? I can't Hydroxycut? I think so. Yeah, I took, I took, I remember taking the whatever the version of Hydroxycut used to be sold back in 2011 or 2010 or 20, 2009. Uh, yeah, I remember having like a heart attack and almost <laughs> need, needing to go to hospital. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember taking it for like, I think it's uh, maybe I just had just started going to the normal training, yeah. right? And I was like, oh, like, you know, this will help burn fat or whatever and I'll get leaner. And, yeah, like I remember double dose. I'm a risky human, so <laughs> one thing is good, two of it must be better, three of it must be even better, and yeah, I just <gasps> took too much of it, yeah. and then I think it was Christmas Christmas morning, and I, like I'm starting to feel really really hot, and like start getting like um like a that feeling of an allergic reaction, yeah, and then I go to like look in the mirror, and I'm like a bloody tomato now. <laughs> And I am puffed up Jeez. everywhere. Oh, my God. Uh, so, I run the, the bath, like, with cold water because I'm so hot. So, I put myself inside of it hoping to, like, cool it down. And eventually, I did have to go to the hospital. <gasps> That's insane. And another funny story is I remember uh, – because generally, in Australia has really tough um, uh, yep. trade laws with, um, you know, consumer products and all that sort of stuff. And uh, every time – America doesn't. So, every time me and Lauren used to go to the US, we would always uh, – go to the GNC there or whatever supplement store they had and we'd be like, can you sell us whatever is illegal in Australia? Because <laughs> we want to try it and take it. And we were in Hawaii one year and we take, we took like this pre-workout and this fat burner and something else, right? Like the guy was literally like, look, I'm not even meant to sell you this. It's like, it's getting banned next week, but you can buy the last couple of things of it. And then we take it just before we're going to do this um, mountain crate uh, hike up one of the Hawaiian things. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't kick in. Like all those things, they don't kick in straight away. So we're half an hour into this hike. It's like one of the steepest things I've ever climbed in my life. And then both me and Lauren... Is that start- Diamond Head? Yeah, Diamond, yep. diamond Head. Uh, yeah, that one yep. or another one. And then halfway through it, we're like both experiencing a heart attack. We're like, oh my God, like I'm dying. And she's like, so am I. We shouldn't have taken that now. No, we shouldn't have taken it when we're going to go do an activity that's going to race your heart. Oh my gosh. Lesson learned there. Lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it like to go through and do that last show that you did after having had your first born? Most mums yep. find it pretty hard to just deal with their first born. You're out there competing. It was, to me, it was terrifying. It was, my body was different. You know, I had... Because how old is Mason now? He's three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. So when... Um, so I made it that I was going to compete 12 months postpartum. Um, and I was very different. My body was different. I felt like I was having a conversation with a mum just before where you don't feel like your body is yours anymore. You know, you've taken a huge adaption to this new life that you live. Um, so my body changed a lot. I had stretch marks. I had loose skin. I had you know, 
wobbly bits that weren't there anymore. And, you know, my weight loss journey was I didn't bounce back. You know, I look at so many, and this is how we were talking before about, you know, social media and the pressures it puts on people. You know, I would look at people like Sophie Gwidlin who, look how incredible she looks. And she's had three kids. Why can't I look like that? Why don't I look like that? So I had put immense pressure on myself as to why postpartum I didn't look a certain way. But so it was terrifying, but I committed to the goal. Um, again, I found myself a great coach who understood how I was feeling, um, really listened to what it was that I wanted and the time frame that I wanted to achieve it. So he worked with me really slowly, took into consideration having an under one year old. Um, so I think I was about eight months postpartum. That's when I decided this is what is going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. I'm ready. Um, and I think for a lot of people that I can't stress enough is you need to be emotionally ready before you're physically ready to do what we do, to step on stage and, um, and commit that way. So it was different. What, what, is, what does that mean? Being emotionally ready versus physically ready? So you could be going to the gym um, and you're, you, you feel great training. Your training's on point. You feel great. But to be emotionally ready is to, like you said, you're stepping on stage in a bikini in front of hundreds of people and a few judges to be judged. And that's what you're doing. You are to be judged. Um, for people who have a unstable mindset where they can become emotional quite easy, it's a sport where you have to be emotionally disciplined and emotionally strong because it does fuck with you. It, you know, you're committing to such a regime where it does fuck with you. Um, you know, you see so many people who have body dysmorphia problems after competing. And this is where I say to people, make sure you are emotionally ready to commit because it does shift your mindset. You look at your body differently. Um, as before, you asked me about what I was like when I was, you know, 18. I didn't give a shit what I looked like. I was happy with my own skin and, you know, but now that I've done a few competitions and I put on a bit of weight or my weight's so different on the scales, my first thing is, oh my gosh, I need to go on a eating plan. I need to start training more. You know, it's all mindset. And that's where you need to be so strong mentally to be able to follow through and then get out the other end because going through the process, doing the show is the fun parts, the rewarding part, but there is another end to competing that you have to take into consideration. And it is just as hard as doing a comp prep. You are undoing a comp prep and you can't, you have to stay disciplined. So you don't have your blowouts. You don't stuff yourself um, hormone wise, things like that. So that's what I mean by being emotionally strong and mentally strong before you decide to do it over being physically ready to do it. Um, and that's where I knew that I was emotionally and physically ready to commit. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that I did because it's, for me, inspired a lot of other mums to do what I did. You know, a lot of mums give up and they think this is their new life and they don't have time for themselves. They don't have time to do something they want to do where, you know, you look at people who inspire me are mums who step on stage, 
people like Emma Bowman, people like um, Karen Helena, you know, there's just so many mums that step on stage who can do it, who can do it all and inspire other mothers who have those extra wobbly bits or those stretch marks because we are all human. We have a different journey through motherhood. Um, and you can do it. You can be a badass mum. Like I was so proud to stand on stage winning an overall fitness championship holding my son. It was it was great because one day he's going to look at me and think that I was cool. <laughs> you are very cool, Nikki. Uh, you literally stole my last question away from you, which was going to be who inspires you. Um, if people wanted to find, find you, Nikki, where can they do so? Uh, they can do, you, do you like want people to find you? If you are down for I, my Instagram, isn't is all real stuff. It's all about my family. Um, my name is it's at Nikki Louise Her. Um, so if you're interested or you have any questions about training or um, you know mum life or juggling life, you know I am a full time working mum who trains five days a week and you know deals with a three and a half year old and a nine months old um who, who might be the most beautiful thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> she is very smitten by you um i'm always happy to help you know i'm never going to preach something that i don't believe in i'm not going to pretend that i know everything because i don't i've always seeked help through people like yourself um through coaches who know what they're talking about people who take time I can help people on a personal level. I can't help with nutrition or, um, you know, supplements or anything like that. I can only give you my personal experience. But people who inspire me are, you know, not the people who have 100,000 plus followers on Instagram. Um, The people who inspire me are people who are the silent achievers. Um, So people, you know, like, Emma, people like Jesse McCallum, people like Ashley Kerr, people like Isabel Patch, people like Tiffany Code, you know, people who are just starting out and working every day and trying to inspire others. You know, I am a big fan of the underdog. You know, I don't, I just want people to find their own journey and to find their own why rather than to be, I want to look like Sophie or I want to look like, you know, the big, the new IFBB pros or find motivation and inspiration in them, but don't want to be like them. They're already taken. Find your own journey. I think those are beautiful words. Nikki, thank you very much for coming on today's podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for putting up with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think you've got uh, really good things to say. I've always really, um, you know, loved your energy and and loved the the vibe you bring. Um, I think uh, you you are a very confident person, and it and it comes ac- it comes across in a good way, and um, I think it uh, I think it'd be really good if if you are listening to that to the to this today, that maybe some of that can rub off on you because I think uh, since the whole point of this podcast it being called the Better You Project is to help you better yourself, um, it all starts just with believing in yourself, and I think that's um, that's a, a really big good message um, that we can take away from today. Thank you very much for coming on and I will definitely have you back on in the future. Thanks for having me. And that was it. Hopefully you had a good time. That podcast, I think, is the first podcast that I've recorded recently that has gone past the 60-minute mark. Uh, So, yeah, heaps to chat about to her about. I will definitely be bringing her on again and picking her brain on uh, nutrition and training and all that sort of stuff. Uh, She knows what she's doing when it comes to that sort of stuff. 
And yeah, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Like I said before, please give this a good rating. Share it if you can on your socials. Maybe t- uh, t- tag me on Instagram if you are listening to it. Uh, you know, that, that would mean a lot. And uh, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so at RaulCFDU. And if you'd like to uh, follow the podcast, you can do so at Better You Project uh, Podcast on Instagram as well. Uh, thank you for listening. Take care and peace.